There are weeks when you can write a heartfelt intro, and then, and then there are weeks like this one, where I had the best of intentions. I mean, I was going to write something beautiful for, for the mothers out there, the mother figures, the almost moms, the maybe one day might be a mom, but it just didn't happen because everything else happened instead. This is what I'm learning right now. I'm learning the beauty of time management, of accounting for your minutes. I say I'm learning it because I have not by any means mastered it, but I'm figuring out what takes priority, what's most important, and I'm giving a little bit of grace for the things that maybe don't happen to the level of excellence I want them to happen on. So that's what this intro is. It's my, I still love you and I still want to set up this episode because I love our guest, but I didn't get to spend a couple hours writing something as a nod to all of those who are listening. So let this be the nod. If you are a mom, if you're a mother figure, if you're almost a mom, you're thinking about being a mom, you don't know what motherhood looks like. This episode isn't just about that, but I think it will give you a little bit of insight what it's like on this side. But don't turn it off yet, just because you maybe you don't fall in those categories. Don't turn it off just yet, because this is helpful insight that you might have to walk through one day. And it also is teaching us the beauty of what I'm talking about, which is balance which is being able to hold two things at once. We've talked about it a lot this season on No One Told Me, this, this need to hold two things that are complete opposites, that contradict each other, but hold them together in the same space, in the same time. What that looks like, well, it's a little bit different for everyone. I mean, right now, for me, I'm trying to hold this need to get ahead, this need to want to be forward, this need to, to want to drive and push and, and be where I think I should be, with what I know God's asking of me, which is to sit here and surrender. We talked a little bit about that over the past couple of weeks of what surrender looks like. And it's not anything pretty. It's not anything anyone wants to talk about, right? Like I doubt you turned it off and we're like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to surrender fully because that sounds fun. No, I think maybe, hopefully the Holy Spirit moved in your heart a little bit the past couple of weeks and just told you and taught you what surrender looks like personally for you, because it looks like something different for everyone just like motherhood does. And that's what my friend Julianne is going to talk about this week. You know, you last heard from her when we talked about this college season. What is it like to go into college, to have to make friends, to adjust? And then what's it like to graduate and make a new life? Well, now she's in a completely new season. I would venture to say this is the greatest no one told me moment, which is motherhood. She has a four-month-old named Sam, and she was going through so much change in the midst of finding out she was pregnant during a pandemic, but also all the other tragedies she came up against and the change that she came up against in that amount of time and how it shaped her to be the mother God wanted her to be for Sam. So what does it look like for you to have that perspective? To look at maybe the change you're up against or the stuckness that you're up against and to step away from it for a second, to put some distance there for just a second and figure out how is God using that to shape me right now? Because he is. I promise he is. Even when you don't always feel like he is, he is still shaping you in this season right where you're at. So what does it look like? What do you hope for it to look like? Julian talks about the big picture a lot. She talks about the big why a lot and letting that drive whatever motives and expectations you place on yourselves or that you receive from others. Because you get to decide what expectations you receive, what expectations you want. And I think we forget that. I think we voluntarily take on a lot that maybe, I don't know, maybe we weren't meant to take it on, you know? 
So that's what you get as an intro. This me just sitting on the couch looking out the window as the neighbor is backing out of her driveway. And I don't know why I'm giving you a play-by-play of what she's doing because that's where we're at, friends. Okay? (laughs) I hope you love this episode with Julianne as much as I do. She is so special to me. And getting to watch her walk through every new season has been an absolute privilege. And I think you are going to be better for listening to this episode with Julianne Peace. J-Po, you're the newest mom that I know. You are, I mean, Sam has what, three, four, five, He's six four months? Four months. Okay. Four months. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. So you're getting you're getting your sweet spot a little bit. You're figuring it out. Mm. You're go, you've made it through the fog. That is the first, like, two uh, months. The fog, yeah. The fog of, like, what is this? <laughs> I remember asking people, like, why do people choose to do this twice? I mean, yes. once you live through the first couple months, you're like, why do people do this more than once? How are their big families? The very first night in the hospital, Jordan literally looked at me and he said, Sam is an only child. He was like, we're not doing this anymore. I was like, it's night one. Let's calm down. But then week two, I was like, mm, Sam might be an only child. Actually, Sam, you're on your we've own. Got, we've, moved, we've moved past that a little bit, but I understand that mentality. How do people do this twice? So let's, let's start back at the beginning. So this is in honor okay. of Mother's Day. All the moms out there who either are eventually hoping to be a mom or are currently moms or remember what it was like to become a mom. I love talking about these stages just because mm-hmm. I don't think there's a bigger, no one told me arena than motherhood and parenting. For sure. I, I think it's ironic. The last time I was on your podcast, I was talking about season life changes. And I knew nothing about season life changes until until now, honestly. <laughs> now, you know, now you are aware yes. <laughs> of the biggest change that life brings. And that's when, exactly. you know, you get pregnant. And I've talked about this before. You watch all these shows, these movies, and you're like, I get it. I know how this is going to work. And you're imagining what your mom life is going to be like. And it's based on your past and what you've seen and what you've heard. So what did you imagine it to be? And what what did everyone tell you it was going to be like? How did that shape your expectations? I'll be very honest. I knew that I probably wanted kids, but my expectations, honestly, of motherhood weren't great. And I know that sounds so terrible. I had the privilege of watching a lot of other people go first. I wasn't the youngest mom. I also wasn't the oldest mom. But I had got to observe people a lot. I'm learning for motherhood that everything works for everyone, meaning like you have to find what works for you. Mm-hmm. And so when I say this, I say this like, as in people were doing what worked for them. Yep. And that scared the bejesus out of me <laughs> because I felt like what I was observing a lot of times was people in people's entire identity becoming momhood. Mm-hmm. Meaning like I was no longer going to be Julianne Poe or Julianne Peace. I was just going to be my kid's mom. Yeah. And there's no just in being a mom. Like it is an all encompassing financial, spiritual, nutritional, everything. So Even being a mom is a lot, but I was really scared of losing who I was Mm -hmm, walking into motherhood. And so I think this expectation that was I going to lose myself in motherhood really sparked a lot of conversations between Mm -hmm. Jordan and I to say, okay, if we're going to have kids, what does this look like? And how can we do this our way? If God's going to give us a kid, that means he's giving us a kid, meaning me, Julianne Poe, Peace, he's giving me a kid, so I get to do this my way. Mm -hmm. So what does that look like? And so that became a lot of our conversations before we walked into parenting. And the only thing that really gave me peace in the midst of that expectation was that if God was giving me a kid, because we tried for Mm -hmm. a few months and it didn't happen and it didn't happen. So the more we tried and it didn't happen, 
I thought to myself, well, if God really isn't going to give us a kid, he's going to give me a kid because my identity, who I am, all the different parts of me is this kid's mom. Mm -hmm. I get it. Because yeah. they require so much of you. Mm -hmm. And and I think we'll so gladly pour it out. But then yeah. you see this happen all the time later in life. Once the kids leave, you're like, but wait, who am I now? What right. what, what am I meant to do? I know I'm, I'm a mom and I'm called to be a mom. That's why God gave me these specific kids. But who am I outside of that? And I don't think right. I knew enough. I think it's so interesting, J-Po, that you had the self-awareness to know okay, there's a risk of losing yourself in this new stage. And yeah. I don't think I knew enough about it to even consider that. But it was later. It's like I, one of the number one questions that was asked a few weeks ago when I put a question box up on Instagram was, how do you still continue to grow personally when you're yeah. literally growing a human being? Yeah. And it just requires so much intentionality and an awareness of right. how easy you can lose yourself. Yeah. And I don't want anyone to hear just be a mom. Just being a mom is a lot. It is an all-encompassing, like I said, spiritual, financial, mental, physical, sexual, nutritional, like everything about you changes and and takes so much out of you. And honestly, I want to give it. Like it's a both and situation. Yes. Where I want to give everything that I have to this kid and everything I have to being a mom, but I also want to be my own person. Mm -hmm. And I think Sam gets the best of me if I can do both. Mm -hmm. And that does take a lot of intentionality. It takes a lot of planning. It takes a lot of communication with my partner. It takes so much to do that. But I knew walking into all of this, that's what I wanted for myself is I wanted the both and which I knew was going to exhaust me. If I just decide that I'm going to put away who I am and what I have and the dreams and, and hopes and wishes that the Lord's put on my heart so that I can, you know, follow a certain schedule or follow a, a certain pattern or something that's expectation that's been put out for me, I, I will fall apart because mm -hmm. that's not me. Mm -hmm. And God didn't give that person Sam. He gave me Sam. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to do what Julianne needs to do. And, and he knew that he gave me those dreams and wishes and hopes and all of those things and Sam. Mm -hmm. So I hope and pray, and that's my prayer all the time, is he will give me the space and the capacity to be Julianne and to be Sam's mom mm -hmm. at the same time. I was just reading a book the other day, and it said, what if you want to change diapers and change the world? Yeah. What if you're living in this tension of knowing? And I mean, it's a tension that I think working moms live in a lot. I know I personally live in it because I choose to work. We mm -hmm. are extremely, like, overwhelmingly blessed that if I wanted to stay home, I could. But mm -hmm. I also know, I remember trying to navigate knowing that I'm called to two things. There's my little buddy. I hope. Yeah, I was going to say, you're about to hear him in the background. He needs to. <laughs> he wants to have his voice heard. Yes. Um, but I remember be knowing I'm still called to the local church and I'm called to, you know, doing this, this podcast, but I'm also called to my home and it can be both. And yeah, I think the narrative for a long time has been, or when did you start bumping up against those expectations? Am I going to still be able to be Julianne? Am I still going to, can I do both? How am I going to do both? What does that look like? Yeah, I will say that I started really bumping up against this expectation while I was very newly pregnant. I had a very unique experience in that I was pregnant during a pandemic and I was pregnant right after my dad died, which both of those things altered what life looks like completely for us. And honestly, in a weird way, it gave me this space and this grace to start from ground zero, meaning everything in our lives changed. Everything looked different. 
well, if we've deconstructed everything, let's just keep going and deconstruct these expectations and really pour out what that, what being a parent looks like for us, what a mom looks like for me. And I had these dreams and hopes and wishes that the Lord just kept calling out of me and calling out of me and calling out of me. And for a long time, I ignored them because to be honest with you, I also felt called to be a mom. So I kind of thought to myself, can I do both? What does that look like? Do I get to do both? In the midst of this like space that we had to kind of reconstruct what our world looked like, I really had to sit back and really dig down to the deep details of what my dreams and hopes and wishes were. Like, if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to say that I have this identity that I feel like the Lord's carved out in me to have these hopes and dreams and passions, what does that actually look like for me? And I mean, Jordan and I sat down and we, Jordan and I, my husband, Jordan is a big time business guy. So he likes, we like to, we have meetings. We like put things on the Google he likes calendar. A plan. That's what I was he thinking. a plan. Like, just like <laughs> if there's anyone who wants a step-by-step, how are you going to do this? It is right. Jordan Peace. Like we are going to always have an Excel spreadsheet for everything. <laughs> like he needs, he needs the structure. So we really, really had been having these conversations for a while, but we sat down in quarantine over dinner one night and got out a piece of paper and not a piece of paper, a computer. That's today. What are we? The 1800s, in my Julianne. Mind, I was like a piece of paper, but the year is 2021. We got out the typewriter. We started exactly. typing out exactly what we wanted. <laughs> we etched it in the stone. Um, I no, We got out a computer and I had really, at the end of t- 2019, going into 2020, sat down and really like, wrote out what I'd learned in 2019. And a lot of that included some really big goals and really things that I felt like the Lord was teaching me and wanting for me. And so we took that list and said, what does it look like for me to be a mom and also pursue these dreams? And for me personally, that looks like me going back to school. And I knew it was going to be a lot. I knew I was taking on a big time commitment in addition to having a kid. I was going to go back to school full time and have a newborn. But I once again knew if the Lord was giving me these passions and these dreams that I would figure out a way. Like I I didn't know what it looked like. And I think a lot of parenting I'm figuring out is going in totally blind Mm -hmm. and figuring it out as you go Mm -hmm. and realizing that seasons completely change like so quickly. But if you remember the why, if you remember the big picture thing, those other things can kind of, fall into place as you move around and walk towards that why. And we really sat down and in the midst of that too, sat down and had a discussion about what we wanted for Sam. As Sam's parents, what did we, what were we hoping for him? So that in the middle of, in the moments that we were breaking down and had no rhythm and like, what are we doing? What's happening? We're in the fog. We could remember those big picture things of here's what I want to do as Julianne. Here's what Jordan wants to do as Jordan here's what we're going to do as Sam's parents Mm -hmm. because we knew we didn't want to walk into a season and lose ourselves in the middle of that season. And I will say that broke down several times in the middle of the night. As it does with a newborn. Yes, Yes. (laughs) exactly. We are not doing any of that perfectly by any stretch of the imagination. And I think you can attest to this too, J-Po, that there is some, at some point, usually in your late twenties, 
you realize, okay, I've lived my life for the, for the majority of people outside of Jordan Peace, for the majority <laughs> of people, we kind of just let life happen to us, yeah. right? Like we almost pride ourselves on, we just roll with the punches, like whatever happens, yeah. happens. And we, we adjust and we keep going. And there's just something about choosing intentionality about, mm-hmm. you know, writing down goals and saying this, yeah. these are my hopes. These are my dreams. And I think especially moms can feel like, hey, you hold those because you have this work to do over here. And while you still very much have this work to do that you've been tasked with in raising a family, I just think it's such a lie to believe you can't still hold these hopes and these dreams mm, to yeah. lean into the unique gifts that God has given you that he, he expects you to continue to pursue because he knows you're capable and able and where you're not, he will make you capable and able. And so for that sure. intentionality, you have to make a choice, though, at some point, like you mm-hmm. did, like you and Jordan did said, I know this is what I want. And I yeah. know these dreams keep coming up. How do we do it? And until you do that, I think you'll always feel restless. I think you'll always feel, yeah. you know, a little for bit sure. like you're not doing something that you're supposed to do. And let's get practical for just a second. When you wrote it down, okay. was it like just big goals? Or was it like, these are steps I'm going to take? How did you get to what you needed to do? So here's the thing. I think that a lot, I will say in our Southern culture, there is a lot, there are a lot of points where we do things out of expectation. I think that a lot of times we have kids out of expectation. This is just how your life is going to look like. So we're just going to have kids. And for us, we decided a long time ago that anything that came up in our lives, we were really going to have a conversation about it. Like we were going to really break down the expectations. We had already been talking about like the big picture things a lot of the time. And so those were more discussed and we sat down and mainly it was more, I'll be honest, about what happened for me because we've been doing Jordan's stuff for a long time. And I now wanted to step into this new season where I knew that becoming a mom practically for us meant that I was taking care of the kids most of the time. And we have a ton of help around us. We're fortunate enough to live by family that our parents can step in. So we sat down and just said, okay, if you want to go back to school, how do we do this? Like on a week by week basis, is it going to be possible for you to go to school for two days a week? What does that look like for us? How do we, a lot of it was, how do we compromise to now know what our house roles look like Mm -hmm. too? So there was a practicality point to be like, okay, now you're in charge of all the kitchen stuff. Jordan loves to cook. So I was like, the kitchen is yours. I don't, I don't care to know what we're eating. I don't care anything. It's yours. Go for it. I'll take care of everything else. And so I think when you have these big whys, if you can look at your life and look at all the auxiliary stuff that functions around those big whys and say like, okay, let's figure out all these auxiliary things so that we can focus on the why makes things much more helpful in the long run. Well, and too, when you have that why written down somewhere, those those days when the plan falls apart or the days I'm sure you've experienced when you're like, how am I doing this? How am I going to school? And I have all this to do. And I have a four month old here and I have a home that I want to take care of. And I have a husband who needs to know that, you know, I care about him. There's going to be those days when it stacks up and you're like, why am I even doing this? You want to just start stripping it all away. Right. And knowing that you have the why and you're like, we did all this work to get here. And 
feelings and instincts want to say, just leave it, just leave it all behind. It's way easier. But again, it's that restless feeling. And I just think there's something to writing it down and having other people believe in it with you. You know, you said exactly how much you talked about it with Jordan. I'm sure he looked at you and were like, yeah, that is what you need to do. So let's figure out how to do this. I'm sure you talked to your parents and your close people. Hey, I see this. I feel like I want to do this. Do you think I'm I can, I'm, I'm capable and yeah. for them to like come around you in that community piece to be like, you can, and we'll help you do it. Like we're going to, yeah. we're going to make sure you can do that. I think that's probably huge when you take on something yes. as big as this. Yes. I think in parenting I've, you know, you, you hear that saying it takes a village. And I think I always saw like, it takes a village to raise Sam. I think it also takes a village to make me a mom. Mm-hmm. I observed so much becoming a mom And I am so thankful that I had so many people to observe from and ask questions. I needed those people and I needed them to, like you're saying, affirm that why in me. And I think it's been so fun to affirm other people's whys in the midst of motherhood, whether that's they're deciding to go back to work or deciding to stay at home. If your why is to stay at home because that's where you feel called, outline that why. Like, go for it. Do it. I think that that is beautiful and wonderful. And I think it's easy for me to talk about my experience because I'm going back and doing something that's outside of the home, but it's just as important to outline that why inside the home too. So you can focus on it and and help those auxiliary things to help you focus on that why inside the home too. So let's, let's talk about the actual, so like you said early in pregnancy, you all talked through all of this. You were like, Mm -hmm. again, I think it's important even for maybe if, if you're not a mom and hoping to be a mom or you're pregnant right now, everything that JPO just talked through with, Hey, who are you going to be when you get there? It's easier if you think through that now than just hope to figure out. Because once these babies get here, you're, it's like your brain cells deplete. They just, they die. They go away (laughs) for that. I remember it was like four days after bringing Henny home. And I was like, I don't know that I've brushed my teeth in four days. Like, I don't, you know, I just remember waking up one day and being like, this is, this doesn't take, this doesn't feel right. So you did that before having Sam because you knew, okay, I want to know, I want to set some of my expectations for myself going into this, but let's talk through actually having Sam. I mean, how did it play out? What were some of your biggest surprises? Cause everyone's story is different. And I want to back up to where you said, j how you do it is how you do it. I remember writing this down in a journal. I'm not going to be the perfect mom, but I'm the perfect mom for Henley and Hagen. For them, yeah. I am the perfect mom, right? I'm sure that you wondered, okay, what kind of mom am I going to be first and foremost? But however you did it is how you do it. So however your birth story yeah. went, however you came home, what yes. you did at the top, like you're going to question it. You're going to feel like you're not doing it right because we all feel like we're not doing it right. Uh, uh, what was yeah. it like for you? I mean, the process of having Sam and, and everything that came along with that. What did that look like? So talk about expectations. My expectations in pregnancy and childbirth were rocked. Like the whole, every day something changed. Um, so Sam, I will say pregnancy for me was pretty easy. I was exhausted, but I was also exhausted during quarantine. So like I could lay down and take a nap whenever I wanted to. So that wasn't that hard for me. But the rest of the story you should know about me. I hate hospitals. I hate blood and guts and hate needles. I also lost my dad in 2019. I have some trauma around hospitals too. So the whole experience gave me honestly a lot of anxiety. So really where expectations got rocked for us was at my 20 week anatomy scan. We found out that we had a condition called SUA, which is single umbilical artery. And basically what that means is in a typical umbilical cord, there's two arteries in one vein. There's three vessels. 
And we only shared one of those arteries. So at like face value, not necessarily the most serious thing in the world. However, it can be an indicator of some genetic disorders. And there's a very large threat that he's not getting the nutrition that he needs um, or the oxygen that he needs. So he may not develop the way that he's supposed to. So really, they told us with this, odds are that he will be really early and he'll be really small. I also want to say that no one told me that even the smallest diagnosis can can send like a mom into a tailspin Mm -hmm. of wondering what she did wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you hear that and you know a mom and she has something that's so small that she was told that is happening inside of her womb that she has no control over, mom guilt starts from pregnancy. And I immediately felt like I had done something wrong. I was going through this season of grief. We had just moved back to Nashville and I felt like it was my fault. Was he going to be small? Was he going to be without something because it was my fault? What had I done? So um, anyways, long story short, I had to go to the doctor um, and get an ultrasound every week the entire third trimester because of SUA to make sure he was growing. And he was growing the whole time, was doing great, was thriving, doing wonderful. So my due date came and went. And I was like, what is happening? They Y'all told, told me to this be- was coming early. What's happening? Right. So to give you some context, they told he was due on Thanksgiving. They told us he was coming probably around Halloween. So this is a month later. My due date came and went. Then another week came and went. So it was 42 weeks, went to the doctor, and I was not dilating at all. Oh I was a zero. She was like, I don't know what's happening. Like, I don't know how you make it to 42 weeks. I'm like, nothing's happening. And the doctor was the best and really talked me through all my options and knew that I really wanted to give birth naturally. And she really talked me through everything. And I left that day. And felt this overwhelming sense that Sam was going to be born via C-section. Mm-hmm. Like, I just knew that Sam was going to be born via C-section. And she had told me, if you want one, you're far enough along. You can call this office back this afternoon and tell them you want a C-section. And so I went home and I called my mother-in-law who had had a C-section. I called a few friends who had mm-hmm. C-sections. I called my mom just because you always call your mom and yep. talk these things out. Talked to Jordan about what was going to happen. And ultimately decided that the best case scenario for Sam, because of our umbilical cord condition, he was getting huge. He was measuring at 10 pounds, four ounces on four, at 42 weeks that I was going to schedule a C-section, which anyone that knew me my whole life to know that I was like, oh, I don't have a C-section. Sure. Come like, in. Put a curtain down. Let me be fully yes, aware of everything happening. Exactly. Yes. Like literally bonkers. If you would have asked me even two months after Sam was born, what's your worst fear in the world? C-section. Yes. Like I, like, being awake in an OR, And so I went in on a Monday, December 7th, 2020, at 42 weeks, almost 43 weeks. And my little boy was born at nine pounds, 11 ounces. I I just feel like it's the biggest lesson he's teaching me all the time that expectations don't matter. Mm -hmm. That one of the biggest things I prayed for Sam before he was born was that he would know he was enough even when the situation saw he was without. That was even before we had, we knew we had SUA. I started praying that prayer. And so Sam's name means the Lord heard because I feel like the Lord heard me crying out saying like, Mm -hmm. I want him to know what it's like to be enough, but not have enough. Mm -hmm. And, and here he was, he was this huge late baby that was supposed to be tiny and early. And I just like the Lord heard that prayer that like, we're going to start this off now. We're going to shatter expectations and we're going to do it right now. But um, he, Sam had two knots in his cord. And they weren't, I don't think the doctor was going to tell us, but she saw Jordan watching. Yeah. And so later she told him, she thought if we didn't have a C-section, that Sam wouldn't have made it huh. because of those two knots and the way his umbilical cord already was yeah. that she thinks he would have lost oxygen in the birth yeah. canal. So 
I truly believe that that com- compulsion that I felt walking out of that doctor's office was the Holy Spirit telling me that I needed to have a C-section. I yeah. need to face literally my biggest fear in the world <laughs> and have him come out. And yeah. so that's what we did. I just, I think it's so interesting that all the things you didn't want to do and the things you were trying your hardest to avoid, that God mm-hmm. kept walking you straight through them, straight into Absolutely. them and reminding you, hey, these things that you think are hard now, you can do them. I'm pushing yeah. you through them and you're seeing that you can because guess what? The next phase that you're going to walk into and the things that you're after and pursuing, they're going to be really hard too. But I'm going to yeah. need you to cut, to look back on what you did that you thought you couldn't do or thought that you would yeah. not do. That that the amount of time and worry and thought we put in and work into avoiding something that makes us uncomfortable mm-hmm. or scares yes. us. And then yes. the end result of walking through it and what it empowers us to feel like we can do moving forward. I just think there's something right there that we can't move past. Absolutely. To be honest with you, I thought that I, I I was somewhat disappointed like the first few weeks after birth because I was like, I kind of wanted to have a vaginal birth Mm -hmm. to feel this like powerful, like she woman, Mm -hmm. I can do this moment of I push this baby out. And like, to some degree, I feel like I cheated because I literally just scheduled a C-section and you cut him out of Mm -hmm. me. And I felt like the Lord kept telling me over and over again, but this is your biggest fear. It's that thing again of like, it's what's for you. And I felt like the Lord was fathering me and parenting me in the way that I needed to then parent Sam, which was, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I had you face your your biggest fear, not what would make everyone feel strong. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to make you feel strong as, as Julianne, not as everyone else. Mm-hmm. And he was, like I said, he was fathering me in the way that I then wanted to turn around and parent Sam, which was, I want to be a mom to you in a way that only Sam needs a mom, not in the way everybody else mm-hmm. needs a mom. Well, and that's even seen in how you brought him into the world, you know, and I mean, just these seeds of faithfulness that got planted. And when Sam is facing his fears, being able to tell him, hey, the very thing that I did not want to do, my greatest fear, (laughs) I had to do so you could be here. So yeah, you're going to face your fears now. Now, let's talk about bringing Sam home. Okay, so this is finding the rhythm. What are you learning? What have you learned up to this point? So two things. One, they hand you a stranger. And you don't know what who this human is at all, but you will spend the rest of your life getting to know them. And I think for me, big time rhythms have revolved around learning who Sam is. I think that I, in those first few weeks, when like the baby blues set in and I started crying because I would drop a passy and dropping a passy made me a terrible mom. I really felt that like my rhythms needed to be what somebody else told me. I'd read everything. I knew all the sleep patterns. I knew all the, how much he was supposed to be eating, all the things. And like I said, I've observed everyone. So I, I knew what this was supposed to look like, quote unquote. And the further into rhythms we got or into those days of just fog and tiredness we got, I really realized like, this stranger is my stranger. This stranger, no one else knows I do. Literally no one. When it comes to those gut feelings of the Holy Spirit, no one knows him like I do. And that's, I felt that constant pressure during those like baby blue days of like, I feel like I'm doing all of this wrong because we have a Google mini in his room because I would ask it so many questions. Yes. And finally, I like had a mental breakdown moment. That was probably like week four or five that I was like, what am I doing? This is my kid. It's not Google's kid. And people did this for hundreds of thousands of years before Google. 
And so that very night, I mean, he was, I think he was six weeks old. That very night, I picked him up out of his snooks and I laid him in his crib, which once again, he was in his crib. He was in his own room because obviously I needed him to be away from me for a little while during the day, during the night. So I booked him out, put him in his crib. That kid slept seven hours for the first time in his life. And I was like, why am I not doing this more often? Mm -hmm. Why am I not just listening to myself? I'm his mom. And yet I think that I, for some reason, I think I am the the least qualified person the, to make decisions The least for him. informed. Like, I know the least about yes. him, but some stranger on this message board knows exactly, knows exactly what my kid what needs. Yes. Yes, exactly. And so I really, and I appreciate that you used that word rhythm, because I also felt this really high expectation to stick to a schedule. I have never stuck to a schedule in my entire life. That's not who I am. I just... I can be places on time, but I am not a person that's like regimented about mm-hmm. where they are during the day. And so I finally got to a point too where I was like, I'm his mom and I live by rhythms in my life. He going to live by rhythms in his mm-hmm. life. Meaning, you know, we know when he's going to get tired. We know when he's going to eat. We know around what time these things are going to happen. But if they happen 30 minutes later, they happen 30 minutes it's later. Okay. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. And the moment you get yourself in this tunnel vision of, somebody else knows the best for that individual situation is when you find yourself feeling so insecure Mm -hmm. and so unqualified, which is the unqualified mom. Sam doesn't need because I am the qualified mom. Mm -hmm. Like when I say that I needed Sam to know that he was enough without everything, I also need that lesson. I need to rest in the fact as a mom to know that I'm enough who I am with the resources I have and, and let that be enough. It's exactly what you said is every kid is so different and only you know your kid. So if it doesn't look like what someone else is doing, it's okay. And if your kid's not doing what someone else's kid is doing, that's okay. That's their whole life. Like that's their whole life. When you're making an ultimate decision for your kid, you get to make it for your kid, not anybody else. I have to tell this funny story because the person that I can think of that gives me unsolicited advice to this is my grandmother. And she's uh, not going to listen to this, so I can tell this story. So, um, yes, so she always thinks that Sam has to have socks on. My parents' house is always 4,000 degrees, and Julianne, they always have the fire on. Ryan's and grandmother my, did the same thing. Always. I'm like, he's sweating. The back of his head is wet. He does not need socks on right now. And she will just like panic if he does. Austin her a picture in our house and she'll be like that kid doesn't have socks on I'm like yes because he's in our heated house like I get that he is a little bit cold natured than I am but he's fine Ryan's grandmother was the same way it was like Hagen was born in August it is hot in Tennessee in yeah. August and I would yes. walk outside with him and she would always say she called his feet his little putties and she would say <laughs> aren't his little putties cold he doesn't have socks on and I'm like grandma if you say that to me one more time I swear <laughs> like I just, you exactly. know the hormones are yes. raging and you're like I yes. will I don't Listen, care how old I, you are I don't know I'm right, right. I, I got don't. this I got this <laughs> Okay, the other thing I feel like I've learned in this season, I can hold space for two things at one time. Mm-hmm. I tell the story that Jordan and I both cried in the hospital, grieving the life that we just had, that we'd left behind, that we were leaving this season of it just being the two of us. And we really liked that season. Mm-hmm. So I can grieve the life that I used to have. I can I can love that life, but I can also really love being Sam's mom and this season of life that we're walking into. I get to love that one and I get to love mm-hmm. this one. So I can hold space for both of them at the same time. I think I'm learning that to hold space for, I miss my old body. Mm-hmm. I missed it. I missed that My stomach didn't feel saggy and mm-hmm. floppy a little bit. And I really am really proud of it for what it did. Mm-hmm. Those things can exist at the same time. And I can hold space for, I want to continue to be the girl that I was before. And I really like this girl that I've become mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that the more that I can hold space for those things in my own life, I give space for Sam to hold multiple things in his life. Mm -hmm. I hope that I always give him permission that he can be sad sometimes and happy at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I think this season of life has really taught me more about holding space for two things at one time than I ever thought possible. I can hold space for, for wanting to dream and be outside of this house and really loving becoming a homebody because I love being with my family at the same time, mm-hmm. which is just a really interesting space to be in. It is. I, I was telling Ryan just the other day that motherhood, and I didn't learn it until motherhood, that it's just a bunch of contradictions. Mm-hmm. Henley had a birthday and every birthday I am so happy that she is growing and I'm so grateful that I get another year with her, but I'm still grieving that it's one mm-hmm. year that's passed by from when she was little, from when she was yeah. tiny, you know, grieving what's past, but excitement for what's to come and joy at what's to come. And you're going to figure out how to do that, but it's not, I yeah. don't think it's teachable. I think you just, you just sit in them both. Yeah, I think I, yeah, I think you're right. I don't think it's a thing that like, there's a practical way to to do it. I think you just have to. I have my friend Megan that, you know, she had an 18 month old and had twins at the same time. I remember so many people being like, how did you do that? How did you do 18 months and then twin newborns Mm -hmm. at the same time? And I remember her saying, you just do it. You You just get yourself out of bed. Nike tries to say it's their slogan, but I feel like it's a slogan of motherhood. You just do it. You just put one foot in front of the other and every day you do it again. The seasons change so quickly. Mm -hmm. I'm learning. Mm -hmm. As soon as I have Sam figured out at three months, it changes so fast. You hit that sleep regression. I don't have it figured out anymore. Exactly. (laughs) Yes. I don't have it figured out anymore. And it's pure magic to see him grow and experience something new at the same Mm -hmm. time. And when those seasons change, I have to just keep remembering every day I want to experience that pure magic mm-hmm. of him growing and him learning and him discovering. And if I want him to stay in this season, I don't get to experience that magic. So while I'm trying to hold space for what's past, I don't get that magic mm-hmm. that I get to watch in him. And so I don't know. Yeah. You just do it. You just get yourself just out of the bed it. every day and figure it out every day. I don't know. Like, Sometimes you, know, you stay in the bed and you just get them to lay with you. In the yeah. Bed, you know? I did that today. Yes. Today I decided today was a bed day for us. And Sam is in his PJs that he got from a bath yesterday. So exactly. overall, your four months of experience growing as a mom, figuring, just doing this thing called motherhood. What's your best mm-hmm. advice for those who are coming after you? I think probably my best advice is, no one knows your kid like you do. And like we said, you will spend the rest of your life getting to know your kid. Mm-hmm. So start doing it now. The more I lean into he is my kid, mm-hmm. the more I feel like he and I get to learn each other, mm-hmm. which is a really fun thing to see and do. I think that's a beautiful picture of the father to us too. Mm-hmm. It does not matter at what stage you are in your walk with him. He wants to get to know you. Mm-hmm. He wants to know you intimately. And doesn't matter how young you are, he wants to know you. So, Jaypo, we end every episode with the with the one question, which is what are you so happy okay. someone did tell you about? What are you super, super into right now? What do you love? Okay. So the practical one that I learned too, a Vava lantern. Oh. Game changer. It's like this little lantern that's portable and you like tap it to turn it on and off. When I was breastfeeding game changer because it doesn't wake anyone up it's just very dim but you can carry it with you different places too even now we use it if he cries in the middle of the night we can take it into his room bottle lamp it's great okay and then my 
more serious one is my friend Jen told me before I had a kid, Holy Spirit is a better parent than you are. Mm. And the more you sit with the Holy Spirit and get to know him and what he has for you and how the father has designed you for your kid, Mm -hmm. the more that wisdom comes through and how you parent your kid, Mm -hmm. which also gives me like such a peace and a calm that like, this isn't just my job. (laughs) If that makes sense. I have a supernatural power behind me that can also help me make these decisions. And I, I probably say that to myself three times a day Mm. when I'm with Sam of like the Holy Spirit is a better parent than I am. What, how do I need to interact with the Holy Spirit right now? to gain some of what he is so that I can give that to mm-hmm. Sam. It is very easy to lose that mentality. Very, oh, just the easiest. Sure, yes. But j listen, you're doing a great job. You're a great mom. I can Thanks. see it. Sam is the happiest boy. I got you. Listen, Thank you. He, I don't know how much of that is me or how much of that is his personality, but I'll take some of it, I guess. <laughs> you have to. Listen, and you get to raise that. I mean, you get to raise yeah, that little boy who's I so do. full of joy, and he's going to hang on to that. So yeah. whatever it looks like from here, from from my seat watching this, from whether it's here on this FaceTime or watching just on the sidelines of Instagram, you're doing a great job. And <laughs> Thank I you. Will right say back at you. For anyone with Mother's Day coming up, the greatest compliment you can pay to a mom is just that she's doing a good job. That's all you want to know. I mean, to the point, I remember crying yeah. when people would say that to me, mm. that like just in passing. And that's just whether it's a mother figure or anyone who has made you who you are, the best and greatest compliment you can give them is that they are doing a great job. Um, yeah, I'll say this. This is a really, really sad thing, but I will say it. It, it has shaped parenting for me when my dad died, which is very morbid. And I, we're going to go there at the end of the podcast. So you may need to say it up or after this, but I, one of the things my parents are no longer, no no longer married, but my mom was in the room with me and my brothers when he died. And we all took a moment to go and say something to him and Mm. I'll cry just thinking about it. But the thing that he said to my, my mom said to my dad, which I will forever carry with me as like one of the highlights of my life. And my mom looked at my dad and he, she said, we did good. Mm -hmm. And she started to talk about me and my brothers Mm -hmm. And knowing now that I have Sam, mm-hmm. like that is the only thing that I want in the mm-hmm. world is that at the end of the day, when all of this is said and done, that Jordan and I can look at each other and say, we did good. Yeah. Like yeah. we, I don't know what it looks like, mm-hmm. the in-between, but I just want that moment that we can look at each other and say, we did good. Yeah. And just that awareness though, that you want that. I think so much of parenting is just an awareness of what you're doing and, and how the part, the part that you're playing in it and the awareness of your own weaknesses and the surrender Mm -hmm. and the just knowing like, Hey, you love this kid way more than I do God. So I know you're going to equip me to parent them way better than I think I can. And Mm -hmm. I think that's such a beautiful picture and memory that you get to carry into your parenting. And it's just like you said, way at the beginning, your perspective is completely different. As a mom, as much as you want to stay the same, you're going to change no matter what. And that you can look at that as a parent and say, I'm going to, that's, that's the legacy I want to leave. It's your why just to circle back around. It's your why that you point point back to when he's skipping curfews and (laughs) breaking rules and throwing chocolate milk and and puking right after a bath time. Come on, Sam, get (laughs) yourself together. (laughs) I can't tell you how many times that's already happened in our lives. J-Po, I am always better from getting to talk to you. Thank you so much for jumping on here with us. Thank you so much, Kelly. I appreciate it.
I love ending every episode telling you how thankful I am for you, that you would take your time to listen to what we're trying to do here. So if you loved it, or even if you have feedback, I want to hear about it. You can either hop on over to iTunes and leave us a review, or you can just DM me on social media. Usually I'm on Instagram the most. It's at C-E-Holla. And again, I love hearing from you guys. So make sure you either write a review or send me a DM, which always seems a little bit desperate asking for it. But here I am asking anyways. Thanks again for tuning in.